Miracy. In order to really be a great coach, I think it's more about who you're working with and the relationship that you build with your client than it is about just you and your innate skills. Hello, and welcome to Just Between Coaches, the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head on. My name is Melinda Cohen, and I run a business called The Coaches Console. The Coaches Console has supported more than 50,000 entrepreneurs in creating their own profitable coaching business. In this episode, we're going to discuss what makes a great coach. And one thing I know is that in order to become a great coach, you have to have the ability to be very present and always be evolving your skills. Today, I've invited Ari Eni onto Just Between Coaches. Before I bring Ari on, I'll first read an email from a listener that reflects what we're going to be discussing today. As I've said in other episodes, unless you tell me otherwise, any email that you send me that we read on the air will be anonymous. So don't hesitate to be open about what's on your mind. And here's what Anonymous had to say. Hi, Melinda. I have a newer client who recently transferred into my practice from a retired coach and has nothing but great things to say about her former coach. I'm thrilled to be working with someone who's experienced the greatest coaching professionals out there. Yet there's a bit of concern building up with each passing conversation. This client constantly compares my skills to their previous coach. It weighs on me and I've been doubting if I'm a good enough coach for this client. Is this all in my head? How can I encourage them when I doubt myself? Dear Anonymous, thank you for sending your mail and questions to our show. There are a couple of things that we'll address in the episode, but in general, I think what makes a great coach is that they don't take their natural skills and talents that they're born with for granted. As I said a moment ago, they're constantly honing their skills. And to be insecure about your skills and talent, that's not unusual. But it's also a sign that you've been triggered by your client or a situation. And that means it's time to turn to your own coach. Today on Just Between Coaches is our guest, Ari Ini. Ari coaches entrepreneurs on how to teach their gifts and create online courses. He's also head of client strategy at Miracy's ACES Business Acceleration Program. Welcome, Ari. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and your background so that the listeners can get a sense of who you are and where you're coming from? So I started my journey as a coach within our ACES uh, Business Acceleration Program at Miracy. Uh, four years ago when the program started. And since then, I've been working with entrepreneurs on building their businesses, mostly online, but also brick and mortar and coaches, coaching businesses who are working with people one-on-one you know, in their practices, as well as consultants and authors and many others. We share that working with coaches is what I love. Uh, and I know that you are amazing at it. And I'm so excited to have you on Just Between Coaches and to dive into the subject of what makes a great coach. Now, what would you say defines a great coach? How would you define that? Sure. So that's a great question. And I feel like there isn't kind of a, this person is a great coach and that's it. It really goes to always wanting to improve and push yourself and learning because no one, to me, no one really finishes their journey in you know becoming a great coach. You can be a great coach for a person in a moment, 
But if you want to continue being a great coach and becoming ever greater, you always need to be learning and evolving. And part of that is listening and having those conversations with the people that you're working with and seeing where are the gaps, where are the places where you actually could learn how to handle a piece better, or you could learn to grow your skills or your capabilities. And that's where going to different learnings online or finding a coach of your own to work with you on that is super important. Yeah, I love that distinction. The You can be a great coach in the moment and then also looking at the bigger picture, going beyond and going even greater. Now, what would you like the distinction about being a good coach and a great one? What's the difference? So to me, the difference between being a good coach and a great coach actually has a lot more to do with the relationship that you have with the person you're working with versus your specific innate skills. So in my mind, there isn't one person that is a great coach to everyone. You're a great coach for the right person for you, meaning someone that is struggling with either a problem that is mental or a tactical problem that they may be working on, whatever it may be, but someone who your unique set of skills is really best poised to help, you're a great coach for that person. That does not mean that you'll necessarily be a great coach for anyone. You can be a good coach for anyone. Coaching skills are transferable to many, many different things. And yet, in order to really be a great coach, I think it's more about who you're working with and the relationship that you build with your client than it is about just you and your innate skills. Okay, this is interesting. So it's less about your skills, more about the person, which is also interesting because a lot of newer coaches they just like anybody and everybody, I'll coach everybody. And so what I hear you saying is that's actually preventing them from being a great coach. I would say that it is. And at the same time, when you're starting out as a coach or in anything, you're still figuring out what is the best fit for you, kind of where where do you fit into the world? And so I think it does make sense to a certain extent for a, a coach that is just starting out to try and work with anyone and everyone. But I think it's really important for them to pay attention to who are they most capable of helping? Who are the people that when they're working with them, they're making the biggest shifts for them? Who are the people that they most enjoy working with? Yeah, paying attention to those patterns and and rather than it being more of kind of a fear-based, I'll work with anybody and everybody just so I can have clients, let it be an intentional kind of research base to inform where do you shine? Exactly. Experimenting all the time to see who are the people that you most enjoy helping and you can help the most because often the people that you end up helping the most are also the people that you enjoy the most helping because we all feel great when we're actually able to help people. Right. Right, right, right. Now, going back to the skills of the coach, because I do think that plays a part in it. What what traits do you think a great coach should have? To me, it really is about always being open to learning. I think it's really important that a coach be able to listen, really be able to understand the person in front of them and be able to process what they are actually going through. Often, um, and this is kind of a big distinction between coaching and consulting, but There are a lot of people out there who call themselves coaches, and yet they try to consult, meaning that they go in, they think they know what the problem is, and then they just try to kind of pass along that solution to the person they're working with. Whereas I think a really good coach or a great coach will sit there and listen and really hear 
where their client is coming from and what are they actually struggling with and help them solve that as opposed to whatever it is they thought they needed to solve as they were going in. Yeah, not just giving them a solution, say, here, go do this and you'll be fine, but really holding the space for what is the solution based on where they are. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are there any other traits? Not that there has to be, just curious if there's any other traits that you might say contribute to making not just a good coach, but a great coach. Courage is a really, really important trait in a coach because a lot of the time you can maybe be very good at hearing what the person in front of you is saying, but sometimes it can be difficult or even scary to tell them what they need to hear versus what they want to hear. So I think that in order to really be a great coach, you have to be courageous and be willing to have sometimes difficult conversations with the people you're working with because it is what is in their best service. I love that. You know, I talk about courage all the time. I've never actually articulated it as a coaching skill quite like you just did. Uh, So I love that you framed that out and brought that out because I truly think that is what, you know, a good coach is kind of one level, but a great coach is willing to have those conversations. And, you know, I had a client, I was like, you may never talk to me again, but I have to say this. Mm -hmm. And I was okay doing that because it was of the most service for the client that was in front of me at the time. Now, some coaching skills that I think of, whether it's a good coach or a great coach, right? You've talked about listening, Mm -hmm. questioning, right? Reframing, reflecting. And I would also add in massive compassion. I think that goes hand in hand with the courage piece, right? Massive compassion and intuition. So you know when to have those hard conversations. And I find it important to have that massive compassion so that you can have those difficult conversations with all heart. Absolutely. And I think that is yet again, you know, one of those things that really differentiates between a coach and a consultant. A consultant is coming in just with their agenda. A great coach has so much compassion for the person in front of them and is able to understand them at a deeper level and really understand what they're going through and what they're struggling with and be compassionate to where they are so that they can really be the person holding their hand through it as opposed to either pushing them through it or pulling them through it, neither of which is really good for the long-term development of the person that they're working with. Right. Yeah, yeah. Now, would you say that um, like these skills, is this learned skill? Is it a natural talent that somebody already has? I would say it is both in that every one of us has different levels of each of these skills innately. Just from the way that we grew up, we can either be more or less compassionate based on the um, circumstances of our lives. Same goes for our listening skills. Same goes for us feeling like we are able to have those difficult conversations and courageous conversations with people. All of those things are things that many people do have to certain levels, but all of it is very, very important to always be practicing and growing within. So none of these are skills that anyone is ever done growing and improving. All of these are skills that are super important to have and are super important to always be top of mind for you as a coach to make sure that you're keeping them in mind. You're making sure that you're always growing them, always putting the effort into improving them and making sure that you're also not letting yourself off the hook. And this is where having your own coach can be super valuable because they will do for you what you do for your clients, where they will help you improve those skills for yourself 
and keep you accountable to actually making that happen and not resting on your laurels and saying, no, I am now a great coach and that is it. That's all I need to do because that's really where the decline can start happening. Yeah, exactly. I wholeheartedly agree that I think every coach should have their own coach. I think it should be a requirement. Now I'm going to put you on the spot. What was the last thing that you did to improve your coaching skills? So I am very, very lucky to have weekly mentor conversations with the director of our ACES program within Miracy. Uh, and so I'm always improving through that. I'm also very lucky to be a mentor to other coaches within our ACES program. And this is actually something that I find very interesting. When you're in the position where you're able to listen to other people's coaching calls, um, when you're able to be in the position to mentor other coaches, you actually learn a lot. You see a lot of where your own gaps are because you can listen in and you can say, well, they did that really well. I don't think I can do it that well. What can I learn here? Or even, okay, that's somewhere that I can see now that that isn't the best way to handle it because I'm listening as an outside observer. And also I did that exact same thing last week. So how can I make sure that I don't do that either? And how can we make this a lesson for everyone within the program? I love it. It's actually one of my favorite things to do. I start dissecting. It's like, wait, how did they say that? What did they do there? What did they not do? And I also love paying attention to what did they not do just as much as I like observing what they did do. I think that's also very revealing. Now, one of the things that I also believe is that in order to be a great coach, they have to know their values and the way they coach is in line with those values. For example, transparency is one of my values. And in order to show up as my best self and bring all of my talents and skills and abilities, I have to be transparent in my coaching, right? Another coach, that may not be their value and they might have a different way to show up in their coaching style and working with somebody else. How important is values alignment for coaches and especially great coaches? What are your thoughts on that? I think it's critical. To me, if you're not really living your values, if you're not really showing up in the world based on the values that you truly believe in and you've internalized for yourself, you're not showing up authentically and it's a lot harder for you to coach people from an authentic place. I would also say that if you're not able to understand that for yourself, it will also be a lot harder for you to figure out who is that right client for you, who are the clients that would be a really good fit for you. Because I think that values alignment with the clients that you work with is very, very important. Sharing the same values is in a way a shared view of the world. And it's a lot easier to work with someone if you are speaking the same language, if you're coming from similar places, even if your backgrounds are different. But if the way that you treat the world and see the world is similar, that means it's a lot easier for you to connect and a lot easier for you to have the compassion that we talked about, have listen deeply and really understand where they're coming from. All of those things stem from those shared values. So I think that having clarity on your own values and making sure that you are aligned with them and are coaching from them is critical because if you're not doing that, everything else just becomes a lot harder. Yeah. I also think it's, I find that when I integrate my values and I have those shared values, just like you were describing, a greater sense of trust is created in the coaching relationship. And I find that I can be more vulnerable and my client can be more vulnerable 
and their pursuit of what's ever important to them in any given conversation. Absolutely. Now, I want to add three more traits that make a great coach. They have nothing to do with coaching skills. One of them is that the coach has to believe in their offer so much, like however they package their services, right? Whether it's one-on-one or group or an online course, whatever it is, combination. They have to believe in their offer so much that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when their clients are engaged with them, they're going to get results. The second is they have to offer what I call a conditional guarantee so that the, it removes the risk of the client getting started and it puts the coach on the hook for what they have to deliver and how they have to hold space for their clients. And then the third one, a great coach has to have their business organized behind the scenes, right? A great coach, I truly believe, does not fly by the seat of their pants or make stuff up as they go. If you're not confident in your business, you won't be confident as a coach. So going back to the question from Anonymous about, you know, their insecurity and their doubt, all right, what can Anonymous do to become more confident about his or her coaching? Any suggestions about that? Sure. So I think that those three traits are really critical. Um, I think that as long as they are fully confident in the offer that they have with this new client, as long as they're really confident in what they have built, so the business that they've built, the their own coaching ability, based on their experience with other people or based on their experience, you know, as they learn to be a coach, whether that's through working with different coaches, whether that's through a training program, whatever it may be. Once they are coming from that place of, I know the value that I am bringing, it will be a lot easier for them to have the candid, courageous conversation that they need to have with their client around expectations. So I think something that may be happening in that situation is that, there aren't clear expectations. There isn't clarity around what is the offer? What is the value they as a coach are bringing versus what that previous coach of that client has brought? Because if that client is constantly evaluating one versus the other, that means that they're seeing a gap of some sort, which is fine, which is good. That means that we know that there is a issue that needs to be resolved. And this is where that courageous conversation is critical and getting on the same page with the client and doing so very candidly and saying something along the lines of, I've noticed this is something that you've brought up more than once, and that's totally fine. I want us to get on the same page as to what are the needs that you have versus what you know I am here to provide to you and just making sure that we are completely aligned on how that is going to work for you. Beautiful. I love that. Just that courageous conversation, going back to what are the expectations? Maybe they were never stipulated to begin with. Maybe there were a lot of assumptions. Maybe they were clearly communicated, but that person had been working with the previous coach for so long that it's just a reminder. So it may not even be reflective of your coaching skills or you showing up as as the coach. It might just be breaking a habit because they worked with that coach for so long. And this is just new and different. It's just needing to reinforce those expectations. So I want Anonymous to know that it doesn't have to be about them and their coaching skills. Maybe it is, but like you said, Ari, it's about having that courageous conversation to get on the same page. 
Now we've talked about what makes a great coach and I have been behind the scenes for so many of them. I've seen a lot of coaches rise to greatness. I've also seen so many of them fall. And so I'm curious about what do you think breaks a great coach? For many great coaches, coaching is their business. And so they feel like they have to do it. So instead of trying to evolve what they are doing, they instead push through and they slowly get resentful of the work that they're doing. They slowly get burnt out on it. And that's not a place from which you can be a great coach because that's where you start losing patience. That's where you start losing compassion. That's where you start losing all of these different things that will break you. They will turn you from the great coach that you were to a bad coach. Yeah, that's what I've seen as well when they're less committed to the evolution. And like you said, at the very beginning of this call, always wanting to improve themselves. When they lose sight of that, that's when the trouble starts. We live right now in an era that I call a results revolution, right? The new type of person who's investing in coaching is demanding results. And more so than in the past, great coaches have to focus on delivering that. All right. Do you think the definition of a great coach will change in the future and in what way? I think that the quality of coaching in general will be going up. I think that the support the coaches will be able to have will become more available so that more coaches will have the tools necessary to become great coaches. And that means that those coaches who really are just resting on their laurels, they'll suddenly find themselves with a lot less to do because people will be demanding results. People will be demanding compassion and uh, a coach that really gets them and understands where they're coming from and a coach that is able to help them understand where they need to go and where they want to be going. I think those things that you just said, no matter how the coaching industry evolves or how coaching as a skill, as a, as a talent evolves, that the courage, the massive compassion, the dedication to always improving yourself, like those are through lines that will be here forever. And as long as we stay focused on those, then whatever comes our way, I think when those of us that are dedicated to that and dedicated to serving our clients and putting our clients first, then we can organize ourselves, our own talents, our business, our offers, our everything to evolve with that. Exactly right. And especially all of the skills that we've talked about are exactly the types of skills that allow a person to hear what's actually going and anticipate what's going on in the market anyway. If you're able to listen well to the people that you're working with and to the potential clients that you have, and you're always hearing and actually hearing, so not just pretending to hear and going through your script, but actually listening and hearing what they need and how the needs are changing, you're always going to be able to be at the forefront of the industry. Yeah. Now, let's summarize a couple of things that we've talked about today for Anonymous. So one of the things that we talked about is a great coach listens. They have those courageous conversations and they show massive compassion and they know how to follow that. They know how to express that and they know how to bring that into the coaching conversation. And if you want to become a great coach, 
like you said, Ari, always improving yourself. Keep honing your skills. Never rest on your laurels. Never take them for granted. And a great coach has their business organized behind the scenes. They have to align their business, their offer, their skills, their talents with their values so that they can attract the right kind of people so they can be a great coach. And finally, Anonymous, if you do feel triggered or feel insecure or doubting your own skills, go to your own coach. Take that to your coach and receive coaching around that to navigate whatever might be going on for you. All right. Do you have anything else that you want to say to Anonymous? So I think the the parting thought that I have is that you have to remember that it is about having a great coaching relationship that is really beneficial to your client and of course to you. And going into that conversation without attachment to the outcome. And if that outcome ends up being, this is not the right fit. And that way they will be served better by someone else. And you will have room in your practice for someone else who would be a better fit. Great. And it very well could be that they are the perfect fit for you. But going into that conversation, making sure that A, you're having the conversation, B, you're going into it not with the goal of, I have to save this. Instead, going into it, the goal of, I want everyone at the end to be supported in the best way possible into the future. Beautiful. Well, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Just Between Coaches. And also a big thank you to Ari Ini for this amazing conversation. Ari, let's do this again sometime. Sounds great. Happy to do it. If you like today's podcast, you'll surely enjoy the inspirational episodes over at Making It. In each episode, a successful entrepreneur will share what making it means to them and what they've learned along the way. I'm Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Danny Eney is our executive producer, and I wrote this episode with Mishi Lance and Cynthia. Jeff Govertson and Mishi assembled this episode. If you don't want to miss future episodes, please subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. And if you have questions for Just Between Coaches, put the show title in the subject line and send it to podcasts at miracy.com. That's podcasts, plural, at miracy, M-I-R-A-S-E-E dot com. Miracy. And so the tailor, having gathered together the beautiful scraps, began to sew. He stitched and he sewed and he sewed and he stitched. And by the morning time, he had made himself a beautiful coat. Now, when he wore his coat into the market, everyone admired it so much that the tailor decided to wear the new coat everywhere. And that's what he did. He wore it and wore it and wore it until it was all worn out. Or was it? In each episode of Once Upon a Business, Lisa shares a fairy folk or traditional tale 
and then extracts rich business lessons that are applicable for entrepreneurs, coaches, and course creators. Stories always take us on a journey from one place to the next. Sometimes this journey is literal, sometimes it's metaphorical, but always we find ourselves transformed. This story, The Tailor's Coat, originating from Europe, takes us through a literal transformation of the pieces of cloth and yet somehow teaches a powerful lesson. It does speak to a common entrepreneurial journey. Many of us start out working for someone else and give them everything we've got. Perhaps the tailor finally deciding to make something for himself is similar to the entrepreneurial desire to begin to create a business for ourselves. We take the scraps, the skills that we've developed, the experience that we've gained, and we launch our own business. I think it's an incredibly important skill for an entrepreneur, for anybody running a business, to be able to know that creating something out of nothing is always possible. And it's often the way forward because it's out of the scraps of what's been done before. It's out of almost the missing pieces that are not quite there that we can actually bring our creativity and bring our determination and bring our vision to create something really wonderful, really brand new and really beautiful. And then we can walk around the town with it. You know, we can be proud, we can step out and we can wear it until it's almost worn out, but not quite. To hear more of Lisa's stories and learn the deep lessons they carry, make sure you subscribe to Once Upon a Business wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you every other week with a brand new episode.